What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat stand-up here on this gorgeous Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. As always, I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas. Stu is out on assignment today, so I am going to rock a solo show, but the show must go on, folks. We haven't, I mean, there's too many stories for me personally all to cover, so I've nailed it down to what I think really lays out um, a good overview of what happened today, guys. Appreciate you sticking with us. First up on the menu, Greek tanker owners dominate Russian oil trade. Fascinating um, article really overlaying how all of this Russian oil is getting uh, moved around. And then next up, a very interesting article talking talking about how there are now five countries who have been labeled launderers of money for Russia by the Center of Research on the Energy and Clean Air Act, specifically because of their imports of Russia. The title of this article is These Five Countries Are Laundering Russian Oil and Selling It to the West, a great deep dive into what's going on, um, who's buying all of this crude oil, uh, this Russian crude oil, and, and where is it all going? And then last up, a, a quick view at the U.S. energy workforce. We had some interesting data dropped today from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that I think did help oil prices, is, is, is if you've noticed. But specifically, we saw you U.S. oil field service jobs increased to its highest level since March 2020. Um, we'll kick it over and do a little bit more of a finance roundup, um, cover specifically what happened in the overall markets today. We did see some some new uh, labor statistics data drop, um, which showed that strong job numbers seem to push off an imminent economic recession or so. That's what the headlines will tell you. We did see oil and gas price or oil prices jump 70 to 96. Natural gas still trading about $2.22. And then quickly, I, you know, we have an IR guy of the week. Over at uh, Devon, they, they they're going to announce their earnings. You know, today as you're listening to this, um, but they they have an interesting headline that I think uh, qualifies for an IR guard of the week. Um, and then we will let you get out of here and start your day. Um, but before I dive in, guys, remember all of these articles I'm about to cover are courtesy of the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your oil and gas news. Hit the description below. The team does a great job of making sure that all the articles that we cover are located down there. You can contact the show questions at energynewsbeat.com dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and energy news combo. Get it while you still can. You never know where that might go away or go behind a paywall or whatever. So I appreciate it. Go to dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. Tell us what you think, um, and we'll continue to push that. But enough of the pleasantries. Let's go ahead and dive in to kind of this first set of two articles, which is really surrounding the Russian oil trade. And first, you know, I think it's helpful to start with, you know, the, the, the first article is these five countries are laundering Russian oil and selling it to the West. And what this article does is identify China, India, the UAE, otherwise known as the United Arab Emirates, Turkey, and Singapore as, quote, laundromat countries who are buying all of the net exports from Russia and then reselling them on the open market, specifically to the United States, United Kingdom, Japan, EU, Canada, and Australia, both in the realm of refined product, which is after it's gone through. And, and now we're talking about gasoline, diesel, those type of things, but also just the raw product itself in terms of crude oil. And this, as I mentioned, the open, the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air, Sarah, has basically is trying to identify them as laund as laundering and are as really and their quote is they're attempting to undermine the Russian price cap and fueling the invasion quote analysts say the quote here is this this is currently a legal way of exporting oil products to countries 
countries that are imposing sanctions on Russia as the product origin has been changed, according to the report. This process provides funds to Putin's war chest. Now, do we believe that's happening? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there's going to be some reselling on the markets here. I mean, if it took a huge report and me to read this Sarah report to know that, like I've been living under a rock. Conveniently, I have it. Stu has been keeping me up to date. Like we knew this was happening. So the real question is, how do we fix this? I don't know what the actual the easy solution is. You just ban all Russian oil. Well, that's then that involves you got to somehow ban it somehow. I mean, you're going to be rolling the troops to cut off oil flows. I mean, at some point you have to let the markets decide what's at play here and how you from, you know, from the the administration that's in power right now, from their perspective, I don't know what you do about this. From my perspective, I would say this is probably why price caps or controlling Russian oil is a bad thing to begin with, because we could probably see lower prices abroad if we did necessarily just allow this Russian crude to float. Now, do we necessarily need to be Funding Putin's war operation. I mean, no, we can have a conversation about that, but we buy oil from a lot of other people that are doing a lot of other bad things around the world. We just are now talking about Russia. So I think the moral equivalency that you that that, that is trying to get subscribed here can be a little bit overblown. You got to remember that the US was the one that really stepped up and wanted to push this price cap. You know, exports of oil products have increased by 26% to price cap coalition countries, which is pretty crazy to think about. That's an interesting stat considering where we were at. Um, to give you an idea, the EU spent $19.3 billion on products from countries sourcing most Russian crude in the past 12 months after the invasion of Ukraine, according to this report, followed by Australia, the US, the United Kingdom, and Japan. So, I mean, everyone's got blood on their hands, but we could play this game all the time. I, I think, again, this is where the free market, if we were to maybe talk about lifting this price cap and allowing the open market to maybe decide what happens could be in our best interest, but I will leave it up to you, the wise listener. What What's funny is how is this oil physically moving around? And there's this new report out from a company known as known as Lloyd's List. I mean, this is a real company. They do great work, but it's called Lloyd's List. Okay. So bear with me here. I know it's Lloyd's List, but bear with me here. Greek shipping companies are making a huge sum of money by moving large volumes of Russian oil that other tankers are unwilling to touch. Tighter of the article, Greek tankers owner dominate Russian oil trade. Uh, many of these tankers are still covered by Western insurance. And this is the most interesting part. Part, suggesting that they have been complying with the price cap. So this price cap is working. Now, does that mean the price cap is actually working or is there that big of a discount for euro oil? That's the other thing that I don't think people are taking into account is there was already a huge discount for the, the Russian crude grade, which is known as euros. If you played risk euro, it's kind of funny. It's that little, uh, I don't know if it was ever a country at some point. I'm, I'm, I, I could be looking like a big idiot right now for not knowing where the, the term euro came from. Let me know. If if it's something if it's something that I should know, but whatever, I just remember it from Risk is this country that was always hard to invade. Um, and you're always like, oh, I got Earl. Shoot, okay, whatever. But my point being here is that these Greek tankers are complying with the oil with the oil price cap. What does that mean? Does that mean they're does that mean that they're buying by the price cap? No, it's just that's Russian oil on the open market is trading below. So a lot of this Russian price cap, what we've talked about in that first article is just posturing. And so it comes back to people just don't want Russia to be able to export oil. And it comes back to a much more geopolitical conversation of we should be con who controls what other people should do. And I don't know if there's a clean answer to that, but Greek shipping companies are have their hands full in all of this. TSM tankers, um, Eastern Mediterranean, um, dynamic 
Amoco tankers and Mivera Maritime are all included in the list for proposed sanctions. Because get this, guess what's happening? Basically, Ukraine has added all of these firms to a list of international sponsors of war. It's a little... I don't know what to think of that, to be honest with you. It's, you know, I mean, I'm sure Stu, Stu is definitely on the international sponsors of war list for the way he talks glowingly about Putin. So I have no doubt that this list is probably a little bit political, but it is funny to think that now all of a sudden abiding by the price cap, which was set in place by G7 nations and agreed upon by Ukraine. Now, if you abide by it and you follow the rules, you will get on the international sponsors of war. That seems a little bit like, okay, what more do you want? Do you just, do you want to go for an outright ban? Then go for an outright ban. Just tell me that's what you want to do, but they won't. They won't necessarily make that total step. Why? I can't tell you that, but that's what they want to do. You know, I think moving on, the next thing that's, you know, important to cover before we dive into finance is really, you know, we'll dive into a little bit of what the this Bureau of Labor Statistical Report means macroeconomically here in the finance section coming up. But what it means for the oil field service sector is interesting because we saw jobs climb 5,100 in its to its highest level since March of 2020, which is absolutely insane because that is right before COVID hit. So what does that mean? As oil prices have pretty consistently dogged in the last three months, we've actually seen still growth in the oil field service sector, which me seems to me activity is still staying high. We've seen rigs continue to rise. Companies might be figuring out or are dealing with windfall profits that they've made from all of the, you know, the, the, the six month period of hundred dollar oil that they are continually to invest in capital. You know, we're about to cover some interesting thoughts from Devin. There are other things companies are doing with their windfall profits, but they're definitely dumping them back into pouring out more capital or else the oil field service executor wouldn't be hiring because as you know one of a, a very good proxy for how the industry is going from a spending level is how many jobs in the oil field service sector. You know, there's, a, you know, the Energy Workforce and Technology Council CEO, Leslie Breyer, this April jobs increase are significant and show the resilience of our sector through a slowing overall economy. Do I necessarily agree that it's a slowing overall economy? She's right, which is, I, I, I guess I do agree with that. I think we're headed off to a little bit more of a cliff than anything, um, but, you know, good for the Good for the U.S. oil field sector. Love to see jobs keep going. It's probably time. Let's go ahead and shift over to finance. Um, from from an overall market standpoint, you know, S and P 500 stayed fairly flat at a point about 0.05 percentage point. Nasdaq saw a quarter percent drop. Uh, we saw Palantir announce earnings today. They were up 25 percentage points after huge revenue beats. Oil trades up to 72.96. Really off the back of what I mentioned was a very good Bureau of Label Statistics report, um, or as Reuters would tell you, a healthy jobs report. Um, and we were up a little over about four percent um, on that number. You know, even though you know. And and what does that mean? Well, hopefully a continued strong jobs number in, 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 as some would say, would lead the Fed to maybe not continue to increase the, the overall Fed um, interest rates. Um, because we know that increasing, you know, we covered this last week on Wednesday. He specifically stated the goal of raising the rates is to put people out of work, bring down inflation. Well, I mean, if the jobs numbers keep coming out good, I mean, what else really is there? to do, but keep raising rates. So if we keep having good job numbers, maybe that means we won't necessarily need to 
even if these numbers do come up. And again, it's a double-edged sword. We did see dollar index increase at a tenth of percentage point. I just think 60 was probably a little low. I do think 70 to 75 is a much better range for oil. So do I think we're just going to be bouncing back here? Yeah. I don't see anything that necessarily in my mind changes that. We'll see an API number. You'll hear an API number uh, today as you listen to this at 2.30. Um, we'll cover it on that show. And then Wednesday, we'll hear what that crude oil storage report is. You know, looking over at natural gas, I mean, really what we're seeing is a second consecutive buying session, you know, really off the back of what looks like to be a little bit more weather. We did see some wildfires in Canada that interrupted some output that did happen to boost cash markets. Um, we do see, a, we will expect about a 79 BCF injection into the uh, natural gas reserves. We'll hear that number on Thursday. I think the only other thing we have a uh, an IR guy of the week, um, Devin Energy Report will tomorrow report its first quarter earnings. I guess before I say this, guys, if you're interested, we there's so many earnings, I can't cover them all. Go to www.energynewsbeat.com. Go search earnings. You're going to find all of the earnings there. You can sort by all of them. It's going to be great. Um, but one specifically, I'm only calling out for the title. IR Guy of the Week, Scott Cody and Chris Carr. Devin Energy Reports, first quarter 2023 results, declares a quarterly dividend and expands stock repurchase program by 50% to $3 billion. They put that all in the title. That is a middle finger to the administration. Here's what we're doing with all windfall profits. Put it in the title. Scott Cody, Chris Carr, IR Guy of the Week, early candidates. It's only Tuesday, I know, but early candidates, you know, it'll be interesting to see who beats them, but I I, I love it. Whoa. Again, earnings at energynewsbeat.com is going to be the place for all of your earnings needs. Go there. Uh, love it. Appreciate it. Um, I don't have anything else for you guys today. Appreciate you checking us out. www.energynewsbeat.com for Stuart Turley while he's gone. I'm filling in Michael Tanner. We'll see you guys tomorrow. 